Tick tocking, where creators come to play. Tick tocking, a tick tocking, find out what they have to say. Tick tocking, a tick tocking, fascinating interview. Tick tocking, a tick tocking, tick tocking with Kevin Hughes. So you have a show called Jordy's Place. I do on TikTok, yeah. Okay, can you talk to me a little bit about what Jordy's Place is about and how you kind of developed this show and what made what inspired you to do the show? Yeah, Jordy's Place on TikTok has been a really interesting ride because it had no real plan. It just kind of evolved and grew from day one. Day one basically was, you know, the lockdown hit. And everyone had nothing but free time. And I thought for the first time ever, like, I've loved the Muppets and puppetry my whole life. And I got the time. I got the money. I want to get some cool puppets and just start screwing around on the Internet. You know, the Internet was full of a lot of ugliness and hatred and families yelling at each other, friendships dissolving. And I'm like, we just need a little bit of joy and levity. So that was kind of where I was like, I'm going to get some really great puppets made and I'm going to just get out there on the internet. And it started with just me. It was just just the puppet for the longest time. And I bounced around from app to app trying to find the best one, the best crowds, the best, all that fun stuff. And then my fiance, Allie, one day I was like, hey, I know you're shy and stuff, but you maybe want to go do a live stream with me. And she was kind of apprehensive at first because the internet can be mean. It can be ugly. Um, but she did it. And we just had a whole lot of fun on this different app. It wasn't TikTok at the time. Um, and we just had a real good time. And we decided to move over to TikTok because it's, I mean, let's be honest, it's like the most used app for social media right now. So we wanted bigger reach, bigger this, just some of the other apps were more like, you know, we just, you got to make money, money, money. If you don't make us money, you can't be, and we didn't, we're not about the money. You know, we just want to go out and have a good time. So on TikTok, you know, we got to talking and on TikTok, the weirder, the better, you know, that's what people gravitate to on TikTok. So it kind of so true yeah so it went from this whole like <laughs> let's just you and me do something weird on the internet to let's solidify the shtick you know so you are engaged to the puppet because jordy the puppet is basically me it's not a voice it's not a made-up character i don't have to think about opinions or anything so that's kind of how it started. It was just like, hey, come follow the weird relationship of this gorgeous woman who's engaged to a puppet. And people really took to it. And, you know, we took them on our Florida vacation with us where I proposed. I mean, obviously, we're not live streaming the whole time. You know, we go on after the important stuff in life and fill them in later. But it's just kind of what it's been. And when we don't have exciting things happening in our lives because who has exciting things happening four times a week. It's half come check out our relationship, half just community building. So on TikTok, we have a large amount of community that's just there to shoot the breeze and just hang out. Yeah. And, you know, I caught you guys on your live and 
that what ex- what you said was exactly what attracted me. Like I was like, okay, so we have one puppet, and then we have one lady that is human. And I was like, okay. And at first, I thought she was like uh, basically running the puppet. I thought she was like a ventriloquist of some sort. <laughs> we get and that I was like, all the time. Yeah, and I was like, okay. And I was like, man, if this is her. She does a really good male impression. And then as I sat back and I, and then you were talking with, with the puppet and then I had seen her kind of talk like over you kind of thing. And I was like, okay, someone else is controlling the puppet. And I started paying attention and I was just like, whoa, this is crazy. This is really cool. And I guess like I'm, I thought maybe it was a situation where you were not interested in showing your actual face on the internet. And then I, I guess I was trying to understand it, but now hearing this, it was more of you just kind of wanted to start a show with puppets and introduced your fiance into the show as a human. Now, I guess, do you ever come into your lives? Like, are you a ventriloquist at all? Can you do that? Or do you just operate the puppet normal like the way you talk? Yeah, I'm not a ventriloquist. I tried it many, many, many years ago. And I'm like 90% there. I could almost do it. But I just, that's not my style. Like, I call it Henson Mm. style puppetry. You know, you got the puppet on frame, the puppeteers down below interacting with anything else that's around it. Um, but you're, you're not completely wrong. Like I don't like being on camera. I get really awkward. My head's always okay. moving. My hands are doing something cause I just don't know what to do with it. And I kind of clam up a little bit right now on TikTok. I'm doing a video series called Jordy's school of puppetry where I'm now teaching what I know as puppetry. You know, I'm not a master. I don't even know if I should be teaching it, but I know enough that I feel Because in our live streams, a lot of people ask questions. You know, how do you do this? What's this? How are you doing that? So I thought I'd do a video series of it. But to do that, I have to be in the video. And it's just, it's really awkward for me. I I don't like people, I don't like being the center of attention, but I do at the same time, which is kind of why puppetry is like the happiest medium. Yeah. It's almost like a stunt double, right? Yeah. So it's like, it's you, but it's not you you know what i mean exactly it's like 10 years ago i was a lead singer of a band for a long time which is weird because i hate being the center of attention but it was one of those things where like if i was singing on stage like i would just close my eyes so if i can't see Mm. you you can't see me and as long as i can't see your awkward facial expression while i'm doing whatever i'm doing then i'm okay so the internet's like perfect for that because now i can't see you ever in a live stream and you can never see me so i can literally be as off the walls as i want to be because it's not me it's the puppet and puppets can literally get away with anything they want yeah and actually i love the way your puppets are designed and i'm i'm assuming you designed your puppets um half and half i go through a great company called my custom puppet Um, If anyone's wondering, you can find them on Instagram and on Etsy. And they basically just, they don't sell pre-mades at all. They just make custom puppets. So with Jordy, what it was is, this is what I used to look like like three years ago. 
Um, so I just sent him photos front and profile and told him, you know, put him in a flannel and a pair of blue jeans. And they sent me like five or six pen loose pencil sketches. Um, and I was like, this drawing, I feel, looks like the most puppet version of me. So make that. And they did. And I have other ones, like I have Ollie, who's a British guy who's kind of molded after Charlie Chaplin and Laurel Hardy. And that one was a collab. They sent me the six sketches, and I'm an artist myself, so I took those six sketches and I just built upon that. And basically, that company works either way. You can completely design it from the ground up, and then they'll make it, or they'll send you designs. But I've been very happy with them from the get-go. I have like three from them already in just three years, so... Yeah, that's amazing. I've always been curious. I've always wanted to do something like that. I imagine it's probably pretty costly to customize an entire puppet. Yeah, I can't imagine. I've tried. I thought about building my own, and I've seen a bunch of great people on YouTube um, that do it. Adam Kurtinger has a great YouTube page all about every step of the process, and I can't do it. A, I can't sew to save my life. B, I got these sausage <laughs> fingers. Like, I'm not about to be trying to do anything like that at all. But they're great. Um, they do. They are a little costly. I don't mind saying it to the world. Each one costs about 900 bucks. Okay. It takes about six to eight months to build. Um, oh, wow. That's a long process. It's, it's long. I mean, it might be different with other companies. but And, of course, I did it through lockdown. So the head guy had to build the head and then he had to send it to the body guy who had to send it to the arm guy because they couldn't all work in the same, in the same area. Um, but yeah, they're, they're pricey, but they are, Jordy's holding up. This dude gets used almost every single day and it's been almost four years and he's holding up really well. So I got no complaints. Great company. My custom puppet. Check them out. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. So are you guys at a point to where, like, when you go out, your fiancé is getting recognized? No, then... not really. Um, no. We live in a small town in Michigan, and most people locally, I don't feel, watch us. We have a larger, wider audience out there in the world, which is why I love TikTok. Like, we have friends from Australia, Singapore, you know, all these weird places um, but we don't we don't really get recognized for that at all, which might be a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely feel that. Uh, so I'm here in Colorado, and I do notice that, like, if I, when I, I guess check my out like my uh, analytics and all of that, I will notice a huge like popularity, like outside the country. Like I have a lot of fans in Australia. Yeah. I have a lot in like Russia and Germany. And I'm just like, whoa, that is crazy. Like I thought, you know, just with this being kind of like a U.S. podcast that's grown outside, but I thought I would be more popular in the U.S. Like I've been recognized in the U.S., but it, it definitely feels like, like especially when I post a video on TikTok, during normal... I guess when you want to say business hours, like daytime for us, I don't get as many views, but as soon as I go to sleep and then wake up, oh, yeah. that's when all my views hit. And I'm like, <laughs> yep. what in the world? Yeah, I'll go to bed with like a hundred <laughs> views and I wake up. It's like, oh, 3000 views in the last six hours yeah. while I slept. Yeah. Yeah. That's the weird thing about TikTok is it's hard to figure out that it is global. 
So it's one of those weird things where like if all my videos are getting viewed in between like uh, midnight and 6 a.m., when's the best time to go live? You right. know what I mean? Because you're reaching people at different time zones all over the planet. What's the best one? There is no answer. That's the difficult thing. Right. Yeah, that, that that's crazy. And I guess where do you want to take this? Like what is your ultimate goal now that you've kind of, like you've built this audience and like are you trying to shoot for your own kind of like a TV show or are you wanting to do like a YouTube show or like what is your ultimate goal with all of this? My ultimate goal is world domination. No. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> honestly, I'll take anything, man. I just if anything came of it, it would be really great. Obviously, I'm a puppeteer, so like the big dream goal would be to like have Jim Henson Company call you up and go, hey, you want to come work for us? Would be great. Independently, yeah, I would take anything. You know, All our viewers are always like, you guys need your own TV show. You need your own TV show. I would not say no to it. You know, anything large, I would take. Even, you know, just to have a large group. A large community on TikTok, like, you know, the title everyone's shooting for, the 100,000 followers, and just to make enough money to kind of call it a side job or even a main job would be great. Just to puppeteer for my main job would would make me happy. Yeah. And what about your fiance? Is she completely on board for oh, she would love it. turning it into... She yeah. would, I don't know, if if, some, if Netflix called and said, hey, we're going to put you two on TV, I don't know how well she would do with that. Um, you know, she says, I'm not a great actor. I'm not, you know, when she can just sit down and be herself, it's one thing. But if she had like a script and has to follow, direct, and like when I try to script a video, it's take after take after take after take after take. Bless her heart and I love her. She does so good. But I don't know, I think. She, I'd like to think she'd be game for it, but I don't know. You can't recast her. I mean, that would just, you right. know, the, the pre-built audience you already have would not be happy with that. But I, I think she'd give it a shot. Yeah. And what do you think your, uh, your demographic age range is as far as uh, who is following you on TikTok? Do you see it more of a, like a children's show or more of like an adult, like cartoon, uh, what do they call that? Um, Adult Swim, I believe it was on Cartoon Network, something like that. Yeah, um, maybe more Adult Swim. I mean, we we call ourselves like PG thirteen, but we ride the line pretty close. So mm. probably you know Adult Swim. Jordy's not that bad. Jordy keeps it pretty PG thirteen. You know, occasionally you know he'll say shit or hell or damn, <laughs> but we try to keep you know no f bombs. We're not trying to offend anyone um i do have a female character named rose who is Allie's best friend drinking buddy and she definitely gets a little on the raunchy side but it's if there's kids listening they have to ask their parents why it's funny you know we're not being like straight out shoving all these heavy hitting words right in people's faces but it's definitely a pg-13 vibe we definitely and we tell people like we're not for kids but the good thing is is we have followers who are like hey we're here we love you our kids are here they love you so it just whatever we're doing seems to be the perfect balance to entertain the adults and it's just a little silly enough to keep the kids involved too without obviously offending for the most part okay 
So when you're doing this, uh, the puppeteer, like during a live puppeteering, I guess, during the live, uh, like your live stuff on TikTok, or I don't know if you go live anywhere else, but how are you positioned? Because I know, because I mean, I know your fiance is on the couch sitting next to the puppet. And I just think of you having to lay on the ground and be super uncomfortable. So I'm curious how you're positioned when you're doing it. It's this. my biggest secret. And I'll tell you right now, and I'm going to expose <laughs> it in one of my future puppeteering videos, because part of my process is to teach how to puppeteer and then how this affects you on TikTok, how to be best on TikTok with it. And when you know or when you see it, you're not going to have any sympathy for me at all because when it's just me and Allie, we have a U-shaped sectional. So there's a mm. long side here. I'm literally just kicked back like this with my feet up, my head against the pillow, and the puppet's right here. Like I am oh, the wow. most comfortable man on the entire planet. Um, when her sister is involved, sometimes you bring her sister on. People have learned to love Kate for the mess that she is. Um, when you're trying to cram three people into a vertical screen, that's when it's, I have to sit on the floor, turn like this with my arm up like this on the couch. This one gets, gets to me. But when it's just me and Allie, yeah, I'm just, I puppeteer the same way I lay down and watch a movie. I'm that comfortable. That's awesome. Which helps. Which is why I can go like the other day we did two hours. I've done three hours. Like it's hard on my wrists, but body posture i have a pillow under my arm like i am just the comfiest man on the planet okay do you ever see yourself i guess getting on stage you know something like jeff dunham i know you're not really the the ventriloquist but like maybe doing the show with without yourself involved in the show just puppets you know kind of building a stage around where you could just kind of be below the stage operating the puppets type of thing? I've thought about it loosely. You know, everyone always recommends in our live streams, like, you guys should go on America's Got Talent, and you should do a comedy show, and you should do this and this. And there, there's a puppet called Randy Feltface. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's a stand-up comic, but all you ever see is just the puppet. And it's, hmm. it's beautiful and amazing and hilarious, and his puppeteering is top-notch. But it's amazing. So he does it. There's a guy on TikTok. I don't know what his name is. I apologize if you're listening. But he's just this pink bird standing behind a podium. And he does like poetic comedy. Everything's like long-winded and it's part of his niche. But it's just a puppet doing stand-up without a puppeteer in sight. So it is a thing that's happening. Um, I just feel I work better on, on the fly, on the improv. I got to work off something ridiculous Ali says or a slip of the tongue. <clears throat> excuse me, or something weird like that, to sit down and like write something funny. I just don't know if I have that in me. Yeah. But at the same time, when you can improv something and it still turns out really well, I mean, that, that to me is key. Cause you know, you will see a lot of people stumble and fall when they write a script and that's what makes it tough, right? Is you have to re remember everything you've written down I've been practicing and I will tell you, I did. So I had this podcast live at a, at a theater last year and I had some big time, uh, TikTokers come at fly out and perform on the show. And the way I started the show was I took my first leap into stand up, and, and I did about a 10 minute stand up routine and 
I I didn't fumble my words, but I forgot a lot of my script. <laughs> but I was able to mesh it so well together because I would forget one part, but then I would just, instead of stumbling, I would just jump right into the next part. So no one knew that I forgot, but I think I could have gone for about 20 minutes if, if I had remembered everything I was going to right. say. So luckily it didn't kick me down, but mentally, I guess I was like, man, I could, I bet I could have had a lot, a lot more laughs. I mean, I did great, but that's awesome. So I, yeah. And I, so I completely understand kind of what you're saying when it's just easier when it's on the fly for you and you know when questions come in you can just answer them like that instead of having something scripted and and having that possibility of forgetting your line or something like that right you know, yeah take a hundred do a hundred takes or something you know? anyone anyone i give huge props to anyone who does stand up like i can't imagine trying to win someone over in what like two and a half minutes tops and to try to be mm-hmm. funny in two and a half minutes tops has got to be really hard. I wouldn't be opposed mm-hmm. to ever trying it maybe one day, but it would take a lot to get me comfortable enough to feel that I would be funny. But the, the thing is, too, is like sometimes like with a puppet, a non-funny joke is going to be funny just because of what it's coming from. You know, it's just like sometimes a comedic line in a movie delivered by someone with like a Scottish accent is 10 times funnier than a standard American accent just because of how it's sounding in your ear. Sometimes like, Haha, that that's pretty funny. And I feel like with a puppet too, even a level two joke would come off as a level eight just because it's coming from a puppet. So I know I feel that there's pros and there's cons, but it's something I'd have to really think about and consider. Sure. What do you do full time right now for your job? Uh, I if you don't mind me no, asking. No, that's fine. My life's an open book, my friend. Uh, I'm a tattoo artist. I, I had that. I hit that right on the on the head, man. I had a feeling you were gonna say tattoo artist, and that's that is so cool. So I'm a huge. Uh, I don't even know tattoo connoisseur yeah i guess maybe connoisseur like, I, I collector tattoos, enthusiast yeah. yeah yeah i uh i have tattoos all over my body and uh, i mean i i love it and how long have you been tattooing been tattooing for pro i think it's like 18 years now wow yeah and what is your uh i guess preferred style or what do you i guess what is your your best artistic style that you do? Um, I specialize in the new school illustrative kind. So it's like the really bright, bold, cartoony work. Okay. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm proficient in everything because I, I just work at a regular street shop. So more, more often than not, I'm just doing realistic black and gray all day, just clipping them out like crazy. But if I had a choice, um, I like to consider myself like an amateur character designer so I can sit down and be like, oh, I'm going to draw this cool homing pigeon with a backpack full of maps and a cigar in his mouth and have him fly and he create this cool background. It's almost like my artwork's almost like a screenshot from a Disney movie. And that's the kind of stuff that's just fun and unique and just colorful. Those are the kind of tattoos that I like to do. And what got you into, I guess, creating that type of art? Did you want to be a cartoonist or an animator when you were younger? Yeah, the the two things I love the most in life are puppets and animation. Um, I've been drawing my whole life. My art style has always been very cartoony. 
Um, when my friend suggested I go to a tattoo shop and apply for my apprenticeship, you know, you, they ask you to bring in a portfolio of your work. And I was like, man, I don't do skulls and dragons. Like, I do Bugs Bunny and my own cartoons. But I didn't know at the time that that is still a niche that needs to be filled within that industry. So it got me right in, and I've just been going. It's, it's a rather large portion of the tattoo industry right now. So it's it's been going pretty good. Yeah, I have noticed a lot more of the animation, cartoon style tattoos kind of coming up. You know, it's even, I'm even seeing it more often than I am the realism, you know, because realism was like a huge thing for like, you know, six, seven years. And now I'm starting to see some of the traditional stuff come back and that animated cartoony type stuff. Yeah. And then the farther south you go, like near Florida and stuff, like the more prevalent it is. I used to travel the country tattooing convention to convention to convention. And like, it's just anytime you hit Tennessee and down, they love the cartoon stuff up here Mm. where I live in Michigan. They don't want it. Like I can barely (laughs) give it away for free. I have like two clients that let me do it. But so that was the fun of traveling is I got to like expand my creativity a little bit more and start doing some of these original pieces instead of just, carbon copying stitch tattoos from disney's lilo and stitch for like the 800th time but yeah so if if it's really hard to get i guess that type of client that wants that particular type of art what kind of art do you i guess tend to be doing more often because it's more wanted i guess in michigan um i'm I'm just doing a lot of it's black and gray Black and gray. Mm. I just did a black and gray raven, a black and gray Spartan, a black and gray wolf in the forest. Like, it's a lot of black and gray. A lot of people up in Michigan don't even want color tattoos. They have this preconceived notion that it doesn't take well, it doesn't heal well, it's not going to hold up well. Um, And I get it. Like, mainly that kind of thought process comes because not everyone can saturate color like you're supposed to. You know, I can. I just saw a tattoo I did like 10 years ago and white's the hardest color to put in and that white is still there. It's just so crisp and clean. So a lot of people are just apprehensive about it because they think in like a year, the blue's going to fall out, the red's going to fall out, my tattoo's going to look like crap, but it's not the case. Huh. Yeah, so I mainly have uh, black and gray, but... In the last couple of years, the tattoos I have been getting, I've definitely started leaning more towards like the color, like realism type stuff. Mm-hmm. So like I'm doing my entire right leg in uh, like the 1980s movie like themed like nice. stuff that I really like. Like I've got Ghostbusters, I'm going to be Back to the <sighs> yes. Future, Lost Boys, like all of those fun, you know, little scenes from that yeah. movie and uh, from those movies and uh, it's um it's really cool seeing it with color because i'm so used to seeing myself with just black and grays and really nice shading and i'm curious you as a tattoo artist because i have seen the change in this world i guess not being a tattoo artist but i'm assuming you 18 years doing this i mean what do you think was the year that really changed the way tattoos were ex- like perceived, I guess, or, or accepted because I know when I first got my tattoo, 
my first tattoo when I was 16. And even when I started getting tattooed when I was 18, you know, that was 2000, two, between 2000 and 2003. And it wasn't accepted yet. You know, the, the people that had tattoos were, you know, they were gangbang, gangbangers. They had done time in prison. Yeah. They, you know, and now it seemed, and, you know, and I was really afraid to get it somewhere that people could see it, mm-hmm. you know, so I would hide it on my back or I would do my upper arm. And now it seems like it's just, it's accepted all across the world. And yeah, I, like I, I, tattoo, I have, I tef, I've tattooed the mom, the daughter, the grandma, like all in one city, like even grandmas are getting them. Like it's insane. Yeah. And, and I have my own, I guess, reasoning behind it but i'm curious to know before i tell you mine what you think that turning point was for the world to start accepting tattoos as just a fun body art what i i don't know what the honest answer is my perception of it is reality tv and whatever year kat von d came out with la inc when you started seeing people were watching other people get tattooed and the great thing was was kind of hearing the backstory of the client because now people are like, oh, look, that's a lawyer getting a tattoo. Look, that's a plastic surgeon. That's a doctor. That's a pharmacist. That's a teacher. Oh, my God. All these normal people, I'm putting up finger quotes for those who can't see, um, are getting tattoos. And I think that really helped push not only the amount of people getting tattoos, but now they were seeing more styles of it and what tattoos are really capable of. So it kind of accelerated the game for us too, because instead of just walking in and pulling some flash off the wall and saying, trace this mom heart for me. Now people are like, I want Zeus in a mighty wave fighting a Kraken with a little ship in the background. And it's just like, it just, it kind of blew up the whole thing. Once people knew who was getting it and how much larger the spectrum of imagery you could get tattooed was. Yeah. And that's my exact answer. I was going to, you know, I've always said that Miami ink and LA ink is what really, in my opinion, changed everybody's, I guess, uh, perspective on what a tattoo meant. And, you know, and so that's, I'm so glad you said that because I, I was right along with you. That, that That's and, really uh, what it was. An ink master came along and that just kind of mm-hmm. threw into a whole other, st- it almost threw it too far because now your general public was watching the judging of tattoos and now they think they can judge tattoos too. But yeah, just those three shows really just took it to a whole nother level, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad. Yeah. And the funny thing is, with all of that, uh, I noticed there was a huge spike in, I would say, 2011 to 2017, where every single person off the streets thought they could tattoo. And there was just so many people like getting jobs at or even apprenticeships at these shops that had never drawn before. You know, they were like, oh. I seen it on TV. I want a tattoo. I have no idea even how to draw a stick figure, but I will learn. And it it was kind of a scary time for people going into the shop and 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 trying to pick an artist because you were like, "Whoa, how long has this guy been doing this?" You yeah, know? it's it's still a problem. Um, mm. You know, a lot of people, 
A lot of people think it's like this crazy rock star lifestyle because that's kind of how they portray it on TV. But it's it's not. You know, I have all these college kids come in like, I'm writing a college paper. I want to do it on tattoos. Can I talk to you? And I'm like, sure, let's do it. And like, well, I want to be a tattoo artist. And I'm like, don't. Like, why would you do that? Like, I've been, I'm on my 18th year and I'm just now not living paycheck to paycheck. Because what, mm. you know, people come in like, oh, you guys just get to sit around. You listen to cool music. Maybe you're playing video games. Like, you guys have the best job. Like, if I'm not tattooing, I'm not making money. Like we, we don't get paid hourly. You know, we only get a percentage of what the tattoo costs. So if I'm just sitting at work all day, hanging out, sipping beers and playing video, I'm not making money, you know, and sometimes your week is fully booked and sometimes you don't have an appointment for two and a half weeks, which means you don't make a penny for two. It's a struggle. You basically have to like wake up every single day, and prove to every single person that walks in the shop why you're good enough at your job to let them do what you do. It's like inter- yeah. it's like interviewing for a job 17 times a day every single day. And it's rough. It's not for everybody. It really is tough. Yeah, and I don't know what it's like in your town, but or where the town you work in, but where my studio is where I currently am right now, it's a college town, and there is literally a tattoo shop almost on every corner. Like it feels like every other street has a tattoo shop. So, I mean, I could only imagine as the artist or the owner of that particular shop, like how hard they have to work to attract clients because if they come in and say, you know, I'm really good at it. I've been doing it for 20 years and yeah, you're going to get a really good tattoo, but my prices are high. Yeah. You're going to spend three grand for me to do this half sleeve, well, I can go across the street and this guy's quoted me at 500 bucks. And though, you know, as a customer, I think those people don't realize the quality is worth the price that these artists are charging. Yeah. But, you know, the competition also with that has to be a struggle. You know what I mean? It's, it's a, <clears throat> excuse me. It's a huge struggle. It really is because you just have to learn to realize that you cannot tattoo every single person that walks in the door. Some are going to come, some are going to go. It's their choice and you can't take it personally. And like I said, I got 18 years experience. I don't want to sound too braggy, but whatever. Like I traveled the country uh, for two years. I won 23 awards from like 37 different states that I've been to like I'm good at what I do and I'm not the cheapest guy in town and I'm not afraid to tell people I'm like, if you want to come to me, great, but I don't do $13 tattoos on Friday the 13th. You know, my, I charge, I'll tell you, I charge $150 an hour, which is actually not that high. That's industry standard at this point. But yeah, there is a guy literally I could throw a rock to the next tattoo shop and he'll do it for, you know, a case of beer and a half eaten sandwich, you know, but that's just, it, it is what it is. Right. And yeah, I, to be completely honest, 150 an hour is not that bad. I, uh, it's funny. I took my stepson yesterday for a consult for his very first tattoo. And, you know, I actually took him to an artist that has done some work on me like years. I'm talking like 10, 15 years ago. And we've maintained friends, a friendship, but uh, I haven't gotten work from him in a long time. And I've seen his quality of work just go crazy beyond, like, 
I, I don't even know how to put it. He's really good. And so I brought him in. You know, I'm like, if you're going to get something, that's one thing I wish I would have been, I guess, more knowledgeable about was going to someone who's going to make a fantastic tattoo and, and charge me more, but it's going to, you know, be amazing the whole, my whole life. Right. And so, yeah, so I took him to this guy and I mean, he, he told us straight up, he's like, look, I charge 200 bucks just to draw your piece. I, it's $500 for debo- a deposit. And then I charge $1,500 per session, which is a, you know, six to eight hours of sitting. Right. And he's like, and with this particular tattoo, cause he brought in, you know, his design. He's like, I don't want to do that design with that much detail in a small piece. Like it needs to be a larger piece yeah. so we can get all the detail. And then you, if you ever want to expand into a sleeve or wherever you're going to put it, you'll be able to do that and not trying to fit around it. So it, it was, it was definitely a good session, but I mean, he was like, yeah, it's going to be, you know, 3,200 bucks yeah. for you to get this tattoo. And, and we were just like, Whoa, you know what I mean? But I was like, makes sense. But my wife was like, I was expecting $500, you know? Yeah. And I was like, well, you know, but he makes the points that you want to hear from a tattoo artist. You know, I don't want to go in to, and I've had this before. I've, I've literally had this with artists before where you go in and it's like, oh yeah, I could do that. Um, probably like two hours. So, you know, three, three fifty, And you're like, sweet, you know, good price. I want the tattoo. And then you get done with it. And I'm not saying it looks bad, but over time, you definitely have to go in for touch-ups more often. You have to, you know, and then you're just like, man, I wish I would have done it bigger. I wish the detail, like sometimes, you know, especially as we get older, I'm 38 now. It's like some of the lines and some of the detail will start to blend together. Yeah. uh, You know, I'm a huge proponent of size proportion because the big mm-hmm. everyone wants the world's largest tattoo done to fit the head of a quarter and it's just yeah. it's not possible because you know when you do a tattoo it goes in your skin cells can't hold that ink so it just lets go a little bit which causes a blur if you will when everything's proportionate you'd never notice it but when they try to get you know the first book of genesis tattooed on their wrist all the little gaps just start to bleed together and it becomes just a big black blob. But people think the smaller the tattoo, the cheaper the tattoo, the this. It's just the worst route to go when you want a tattoo. Yeah. Don't go small. And I'm not saying that because we want more money, but it is. With a medium to large tattoo, you can fit more colors in. You can get better blends in, better details. The longevity of your tattoo holds up that much longer. So, yeah, yeah always, always try to listen. The artist is never going to tell you what you want to hear, but what they're going to tell you nine times out of ten, if they're reputable, is what you need to hear, and you should probably just listen to them from the get-go. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, I mean, me at, as a, a, a customer and not a tattoo artist, I would tell people the same, like definitely go bigger and think about what you could possibly do in the future to, you know, add on to it because you never know like you may want a half sleeve now but you want to turn it you know 10 years later you might want to do a full sleeve yeah and in order for that to really work and look really well it just you know it has to blend in with your other one and if you get two separate pieces that don't you know 
go together, it's not going to make much sense. So I definitely agree. Whereas, you know, in the traditional style, you know, people will get, you know, uh, an anchor and a heart and a, with an arrow or something like just random pieces. It's the all sticker over. book. Yeah. We're ex- yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly yeah. what it is. So, yeah, I, I agree. And uh, where can people find you and your where you tattoo in case they are interested in looking at some of your work? Um, if they go on Instagram and look up Jordan's Tattoons, so T-A-T-T-O-O-N-S, like cartoon and tattoo put together, mm-hmm. Jordan's Tattoons, they'll find everything they need right there. Awesome. Yeah, hopefully a lot of listeners will uh, uh, check out that Instagram and, and hopefully we can get you some some clients that have been looking like for an artist like yourself. That'd be amazing. Yeah, heck yeah, man. Yeah. Okay, so sorry. That that was a little bit of a longer conversation than I thought That's it was right. gonna be. But when, when we hit a topic that I'm really into and curious about, I'm just you know, I'll go off on it. Uh, it bit, I love tangents. And plus I get it everywhere I go. <laughs> like I, yeah. I got to run into Seven Eleven and get a candy bar quick on my way to work. And it's a 30 minute discussion with the cashier about tattoos. I love it. I love tattoos, like tattoos, puppetry. So like, if I love it, I'll talk about it till the cows come home. Like this could be a nine yeah. hour podcast. Like I'll just go and go all day. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. So along those lines, I got one more question then. What are your three favorite places on the body that you like to tattoo? Um, I'll give you two. <laughs> it's, okay. it's the arms and the legs. Okay. Arms and legs all day. Um, side of the thigh is probably the biggest, flattest surface that we can tattoo on. Your forearm is round. It's curving. That's the best. Arms and legs to me, they're the easiest spots to get tattooed and they're the easiest spots to do a tattoo. So that just makes whatever's more comfortable for you is also more comfortable for me. But anywhere on the torso, the stomach, ribs, back, it hurts. I'm not going to lie. Tattoos hurt. And the more you shake and wiggle, it makes my job harder. And plus that skin, because you have to stretch the skin with one hand to pull a clean line and the skin on the torso it just stretches for days, man. Like on the ribs, you can literally just keep stretching like silly putty, but a nice tight calf, it's just way less effort on my part. And it's just easier for me. Yeah. Okay. So now let's get back to your TikTok a little bit. All right. And so now you said, you know, you kind of got into TikTok during the pandemic it seems like everybody was kind of along those lines too. And I, I, I personally don't know if TikTok would have ever survived or became what it is today without that pandemic. Uh, so they're the ones that kind of, uh, I guess, profited from, from oh, everybody, yeah. you know, being at home. So do you feel like TikTok to you is really the platform that you want to grow the most on or can you see yourself more of this as a starting point and then maybe transitioning into a larger YouTube I don't I don't think YouTube is ever going to be a viable option for me um okay and I may be wrong but here's my understanding of it when I first started Jordy's place I was like I kind of want to do like a kid's show at first. That's what it was, you know? 
And mm -hmm. so I did I have like three or five videos, like here's a Halloween themed one. Let's learn the history of Halloween. Let's tell some Halloween jokes. And I had a couple, you know, I did multi-characters, green screen. It looked great and it was fun. But like YouTube came out with their Children's Privacy Protection Act thing, which bless them, our children need to be protected on the internet. But they reached a point where if your content, my understanding, if your content even remotely looks like kids' content, you are limited on everything you can do. So even if I'm doing hard R adult content only, but this is the face behind it, the puppet, instantly I can't put title screens, I put, can't put tag, I can't do ad revenue, I can't get, you, there's just no success for it anymore. And there were a lot of even like people who like unbox action figures. That's a big adult thing now. You know, I got the 18 inch Thanos. Let's rip this bitch open. See what it's all about. They got smashed hard because it's a toy. A toy is going to appeal to children. They were then labeled as children's content. And if you didn't label it as children's content, then you got smacked with heavy, heavy fines. So I don't, yeah. I don't feel TikTok will ever work for me because no matter what I do or say, it's still a puppet. And puppets are synonymous with children's content, which is its own uphill battle to try to get over. Yeah, why do you think YouTube did that? Like, why did you, why do you think they start demonetizing people because of that kind of content? I don't think it's so much they demonetized them. It's just the rules they put in place. That was the long-term outcome. Like, mm. You know, if you want to do your thing on on YouTube, you can have a chat. You can have a community. I can't because I'm kids. Because you got predators going into the chat room going, hey, boys oh. and girls, what's going on? Uncle Jojo wants to say hi. You know, so you just can't do it. So if you want it, now, now I got to have a Discord and I got to have a this and I got to have a that just to have it on YouTube, which... As much as I love YouTube, in my opinion, I think YouTube's kind of going the way of the dog, you know? it's it's The internet's really weird because TikTok came along and everyone loved it, and it's short-form content, like boom, boom, boom. You check my analytics, even now, the longest retention time on average is seven seconds for any video. I can't even get to the punchline in a joke in seven seconds, you know? <laughs> Yeah. So that's where it was. So YouTube and their long form content was just like not the way to go. But now YouTube does shorts and now TikTok allows 10 minute videos. So mm -hmm. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what the right answer is. There's just too many options. I love TikTok right. for TikTok has the algorithm and nobody understands it. It's a creature of its own, but with my limited experience, TikTok is the only place I can go live where that many random people can stumble upon me without even searching. You know, I'll start a live stream and in the first 10 minutes, it's, you got 800 people, 900 people. They don't all stay, but 900 people had a chance to stay or leave. I don't know any other social media platform that allows people to stumble onto you that way. We were on an app called 17 Live. If you weren't following me, you didn't see me. Twitch is the same way. I, I watch a bunch of gamers on Twitch. I consider Twitch, but
But if you can't literally go door to door and tell people who you are and to go there, they're not going to find you. So that's where TikTok, I feel, just has has that opportunity for growth. Before we started, I was, I've been on TikTok three years. We've only been going live on TikTok for like six months. And I was at 17,000 viewers, I think. And just in six months, we're like just 200 away from 30,000 followers. Like wow. that's a lot of people to click follow for basically doing nothing. Like TikTok is so easy sometimes, but it's also very hard. It's very hard. Absolutely. It's it's a hard apple to crack. Not that you can crack apples, um, but yeah, it's just it's it's difficult. It's a challenge. I used to post video. I used to be so heavy on the video posting. I don't anymore. We use it just for live, basically. If I post a video, it's just to promote the live because it's a hard. I've had a, two videos go viral. I don't know why they did. I don't think they were good enough to, but it's never happened again. And even just as a casual viewer, I'm like, wow, this four-second thing with the dumbest audio clip has nine billion likes. And this dude's got a hundred followers. Like, what was it about that? And there's all these people on TikTok like, follow my page. I know the strategy. I don't think anybody does. I think it's luck of the draw. And you just got to play the game and not care. I think that's the biggest thing. Like, I'm slightly a numbers whore, you know? We're always checking the numbers. Got to check the numbers. But I just learned to not care that much. Because someone once told me, like, look, the average movie theater houses, like, what, 50 people per screening? So if you got 500 views on a video, which is considered poor, a whole movie theater of multi-screen cinemas just watched your video. And that, to me, is impressive. It really is, you know, but everyone wants the viral. They want the 1.8 million views. You don't need that. It's excessive. Don't be greedy, you know? Yeah. But I think that's just kind of what people have implanted in their head now. It is. I I have a lot of guests that come on here and they're like, I've, I've seen some of your guests and these are people with millions of followers. I only have, you know, 40,000, 50,000 followers. Like, why me? And I'm like, you realize your followers alone can fill up an NFL stadium? Like, (laughs) it's crazy. It's like, yeah, but it's true. It's a lot of people. I mean, it's, you know, it's your, your following is larger than most smaller cities. Like, I mean, it's crazy to just, you know, put it in that perspective. And then they're like, Wow, I never thought of it like, like that. That's a Lincoln a Park concert, dude. Right. Like you just <laughs> exactly. You just you have as many followers as Lincoln Park has in a concert. Like that's impressive to me. Yeah. I, don't, I don't need Super to have. Impressive. I mean, don't get me wrong. Long term, I'd love to have a lot of followers just because, just because the people who make the big decisions in life care about that number. That's mm-hmm. the only reason I want you. Know, I'm not going to get. You know, Allie loves to drink wine on our live stream. And she, I think she would be great to push someone's product like that, or even beauty products or food, because she cooks on my live stream sometimes. But we only have 30,000 measly followers. We're never going to get those opportunities. <laughs> you know, you got to have that big following number. And that's the only reason I want it. That's really it. Yeah. Because I have 30,000 followers, but probably a hundred of them are actual followers. 
They're the ones right. that I see most consistently liking, most consistently commenting or coming into the live. You know, I have 700 people every night in a live stream, but I only recognize, you know, 100 of them. I know that name okay. every single time you come in. So just because someone's got 100,000 followers, it takes no effort to hit the follow button and then ignore that person in the feed all day, every day. But yeah. it's just the name of the game, and you just got to play it. And that's just what we're trying to do to the best ability that we can and just have fun with it, you know? Absolutely. So it was well, it Jordan, was that this... or started OnlyFans and because <laughs> they that's where the money's at. But oh my god, yes. Yeah, I just heard a chick, she makes three hundred and fifty thousand dollars a month and she's only been on it since October. And I was like, Man, babe, <laughs> we might have to change yeah. change some things up. But no, puppetry is again it's not about the money. We just like doing it. It's fun. It gives me an opportunity to play with these guys. Otherwise they just sit in this room all day, so yeah. Sure. Well, Jordan, this has been so much fun. Oh, it's been a blast, so, man. Yeah. And I'm so glad like we were able to connect and I'm so glad I stumbled across your guys's live and you know, I I saw the audience and how interactive they were with you guys and asking all the questions and I was just like, you know, I want to know their story. Like I'm I'm so interested and and I'm really glad we got to make this work and you know, I like to end the show usually with like a lightning round, but I'm kind of transitioning now. And I just like to, or I would like to just start asking this one simple, simple <laughs> question. It's probably the hardest question that I ask. Right. But, uh, but it is, what is, or who is your favorite TikTok creator? Oh, who is my favorite TikTok creator? Ooh. And I obviously can't say myself, right? Um, <laughs> I mean, you can, if that's your favorite, me. um, no, um, there's a great <laughs> puppet guy out there and I'm sure everyone knows him and a cranky crab, like mm, cranky yep. crab. Yeah, dude is just, he's a nice guy. We've talked multiple times, you know, via messaging as much as TikTok allows us to, I think he's just great. He actually helped me out quite a bit because back in the day I have seven puppets and whenever I could, I'm putting a new character up. Check out this, this, this. He's like, man, I love all your characters. But if you use just one, people will connect to it more. And that's why most of the times in live stream, it's just Jordy. Because if you do Jordy on Monday, Ollie on Tuesday, there's not enough time spent with that character to really get that connection. And he taught me that. And I'm super grateful for it. So everyone go check out Cranky Crab. Follow him. Tell him Jordy sent you. I agree. I love that guy. I think his content is so on point. I always watch his lives and he's just fun to watch. Yeah, he really he is. cracked the because like on TikTok, there's tears, you know, there's hot people, musicians, mm -hmm. then magicians, ventriloquists, mimes and puppets are way on the bottom, man. But he cracked it. He's got like over a million yeah. followers, I think now. And like his live streams are just off the hook crazy. He cracked it. He really did. And I'm mm -hmm. so happy for him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, awesome, man. And well, Jordan, this has been so much fun, like I said earlier, and I'm so glad that we've had this opportunity to talk and I got to hear how this all came about. And I'm super excited to see how far it goes. You know, I, I really do believe that you have a show in the making, like, like, a well, you have a show, but I'm talking like a bigger show, right. you know? 
and uh i'm really excited and and i hope uh i hope your fiance is ready for the ride because i think she's gonna be a big part of it as well and, i uh, hope so yeah this has just been great well i hope you take care man and we will i, I want to stay in contact i'd love to have you on again you know, most definitely cool and thank and right, thank man. you for giving me this chance to come out here and do this as well man this has been i've always wanted to do a podcast i listened to so many and i'm like i would like to do that someday so you made that dream come true man thank you so much awesome i love hearing i get to uh i guess take that podcast virginity from people yeah give me a cigarette you know. and a towel i had fun man it was good right <laughs> yeah a lot of the times it'll be you know someone's first time but you know Two years down the road when they're huge, they're not going to remember me, but I'll remember them and have the proof that I once talked to them and, and had them on my show. And now they're on Joe Rogan. Yeah, right. <laughs> I will remember you, my friend. I will awesome, shout you man. out from David Letterman's couch. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you, my friend. All right, man. Will you take care and we will talk soon. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Talking with Kevin Hughes.